Coming in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time, Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. It's Tuesday. That means that Andrew Henderson's checking in from across the pond, despite him taking a sabbatical last week. And Jay Truitt is on a business elsewhere, which means the Chuck Box aficionado from Poolville, Texas, makes a show, an appearance on Roll Route where he used to show up all the time. Now we can't get through all of the bureaucracy to get him. Brian Thompson, how are you? Yeah, I wonder why those checks quit coming in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's more expensive for the stamp than the check that you got. <laughs> it is. It went up another four cents, right? <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, everything's going up anyway, all over the world, except except anything being paid with regard to Trent Loose. There you go. <laughs> Have your fun. I'm right here. Yeah, he's, he's, he's still paying us in buttons, literally. Hey, I don't charge any of you guys a therapy bill. I think you ought to just say thank you for the opportunity to vent right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank, thank you, you for, for Trent, the opportunity but... to be right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, Andrew, I Brian, I, I yeah. got to tell you about Brian uh, because you haven't yeah. met Brian. Brian operates primarily in the Great Plains. He lives in Texas. He's in the um, Apache business selling Indians. No, I'm just kidding. Apache sprayers. They come from where you were just at, by the way, the home office. But anyway, Brian also is a fantastic cook and does he used to show up once in a while. He doesn't show up much anymore. I'm not sure what's going on with that. So I, I just don't stop by to see you. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't show up while I'm here. That should be what I say. That's the yeah. That's the yeah. bigger issue. Yeah. Maybe maybe Brian's, my, Brian's price is gone up, and that's the reason that he doesn't need to, to, to call you anymore. His price has gone up. Yeah, <laughs> everything else has gone up. So why hasn't his price gone up? He's never charged me for anything. He's just a friend. He's just a real friend, Andrew. Everything's not about money. It certainly isn't when you're involved. That's for sure. That is for sure, 100%. Oh, I'm glad we found the common thread this morning, Andrew. Let's keep after it. Yeah, let's keep going. Hey, Brian, I'll got to change the subject. Brian, what's going on these days? Oh, I I think everybody's just trying to get through it. Whether it's weather or prices or bureaucracy or whatever, we're just all trying to get through it. How severe is this weather that we hear about in Texas in terms of drought and heat? It's it's bad, but it's not. I mean, it's normal bad, right? Yeah, it's uh, this is what happens every ten, twelve years in Texas, and you know, and if you're in West Texas, it happens about every three years. But isn't it true to say that perhaps you're not as well uh, prepared because of the administration that America finds itself under in the se- in the sense that, it, you know, if all the air conditioners need to be at, uh, at top use, uh, the infrastructure is no longer there because you're not self-sufficient in fuel anymore in the United States. I, I honestly, Andrew, I disagree. Um, okay, good. I, I lived through... 
the one 10 years ago and I lived through the one 22 years ago here. And we needed a lot less accommodations. You know, every decade we need more accommodations. You know, it's all right if the air conditioner works at 78. Well, now we want it at 68. Well, that's a Uh, differential of like 50 plus degrees on, on how hot it is outside. I, that's my solution to, to the energy deal. If you're, if you're, if you're a green energy person, turn your damn air conditioner off. Easy. If you want to save the planet, just turn your air conditioner off. Give me an option to buy a vehicle without an air conditioner in it. So, you you know, Brian, you're on the side. Our government, because of these two days, we've hit a hundred for the first time, well, a hundred and two for the first time. Our, our government, our globalist government has decided that if you don't use your air conditioning during this heat wave, you could be subject, if they find out, to a five thousand pound fine for not using your air conditioning in your car. What? Yeah, that one. What? Yeah. Also, the UK government is now discussing with the uh, parliamentarians, that's what you, you're the same as your house, they're discussing bringing our speed limit down from 70 miles per hour to 60 miles per hour. Now, you might think that's insignificant. That cripples business. Time is money. And when our competitors like France and Spain and Germany are at 90 miles per hour, there is a big problem there with distributing goods across the UK compared to the rest of Europe. It makes us uncompetitive trends. It's obvious. I'm actually frantically trying to find um, the use of energy per capita in the United States in 2020 versus 1970. Because, I mean, I grew up in a house. I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I should have had this number, and I will before I put my po- column together. In 1970, we never had air conditioning in our home. We never had air conditioning in our vehicles. We certainly didn't have 14 different electronic gizmos that we kept charged up all of the time. Our per capita consumption of energy has to be 200 times greater, Brian, than it was in 1970. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Brian makes an excellent point. It'll really worry the globalists if people like Brian get that out loud and clear because... uh, No, let's be clear. Brian's not a globalist. You you misspoke. Brian is not a globalist. No, I never said that. I said... What? I, I heard it. Hey, it's exactly what it. you said. The, the gold was <laughs> no, like Brian. We need to get it out there. Uh, no, no, no. Brian isn't a globalist, but we need to get Brian's message out to the globalists because they're all telling us to stop going on this, that, and the other. And actually, they're causing the problem. They're not with the, all this social credit and scoring and everything that they're trying to do to electronically track you, make you buy electric cars. They're actually the blinking problem. They're not the solution. They're the problem. And Brian's made that very clear just with that one observation. Yeah. I'm still recovering from being called a globalist. <laughs> uh, sorry, Brian. Sorry, I, I've, I've done it to Trent a few times as well, but Trent deserved it. But in your case, you didn't deserve that. Oh, you don't know me very well. <laughs> we, you know, we don't really have any problems. Our only problem is that we don't have any problems. 
Nothing's a real struggle. I mean, I can, there are people in this world that are struggling, but, but the people that are making policy and yammering on about things, they don't have any struggles. And that's our number one problem. Well, I, I have to echo that strangely with all the problems that Andrew and I identify on a daily basis. As you know, I just returned home from, from Florida. I was in Gainesville, Florida, two nights, Saturday night, Sunday night, flew into Orlando. I'm sitting with all of these families. In fact, I had a great conversation with a gentleman from uh, flew out of DFW, Brian. So I went from DFW to Orlando. All these families are flying to Disney World like it's just another year, another trip for them. And there, then he starts conversation. He's a he does counseling, particularly with veterans. And the only thing he wanted to bring up with me, he was actually wanting to engage in conversation. He said. I know I'm, I'm, I shouldn't pick on you guys in the beef business, but man, I, I can almost can't afford beef anymore. That was the only struggle we identified in life. And I'm, I'm like, there's so many things going on in the world. And by the way, we then had a great discussion because he thought the increase by 35% of beef in his grocery retail outlet was somehow coming to me as a cattleman. So right. we had that discussion about how that's not taking place. That was enlightening to him. But I'm telling you, to Brian's point, therein lies the problem. That entire plane, there's like 12 of us that are in tune with what's really going on. The rest of everybody else is like, oh, my, gas is high, food's higher. Let's get to Disneyland. Right. Roll route. Yeah. We're going to take yeah. a break. We've yeah. opened the door. We'll come back with another Disney ride right after this. When I have over the years shared the information because people want to be critical of nitrates. People want to be critical of estrogen. I'll tell people that you, you're worried about your bacon or your ham because it's cured and it might have nitrates, but you flock to eating leafy greens because leafy greens are the highest level of nitrate possible. And you know what the first question that person always asks me? How do they get them in there? How do they get them in there, Nathan? Well, they're, they're cured, right? They're cured vegetables. And vegetables actually cure many diseases. So just like your bacon's cured, you know, I wrote a paper called uh, Nitrite, the cure for chronic disease. So just like nitrite, nitrate cure meat and prevent, you know, lipid oxidation and prevent, you know, food spoilage and bacterial infections or bacterial overgrowth in the food, they do the same thing to us. They cure a lot of things because they improve nitric oxide, they improve oxygenation, they prevent oxidation, inflammation, and immune dysfunction. You want to live a cured life? Take a nitric oxide supplementation every day like I do. NO2U.com. It's NO2U.com. Put trend as your coupon code and you win big favors because you get free shipping and a 10% discount. Welcome back. <laughs> Roll route. Trent Lewis alongside Brian Thompson, the checkbox aficionado, driving down the road in Texas using that $5 diesel left and right. Andrew Henderson, he's sitting like a perfect European, not consuming fuel. Why is it that they want to I give my, me? My air, my air comes on full blast, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he probably. Oh. oh, okay. I'm going to shut up after I say this. This is another thing that just absolutely floors me. Audrey Beanie, yeah. thank you so much for picking me up at the airport, hauling me an hour and a half to Gainesville. I appreciate the conversation, the time, the effort. But I told her I, we stopped at a gas station. Uh, halfway between Orlando and Gainesville, Saturday night. It was roughly 10 o'clock because I got into Gainesville late uh, that night, 9 o'clock. I got in there 9.30 or so. We stopped at a gas station. I counted them, guys. There were eight 
cars sitting running with people in them and the air conditioner on at 10 o'clock at night. And I got in to pick up Audrey was one of them because she's sitting there waiting on me to get some coffee 10 o'clock at night. And I said, I guess gas prices aren't too high yet because every single person, including you, Audrey, are sitting here with the car running and the air conditioner on. And it was 78 degrees outside. Yeah, it was about 82. Uh, okay. Well, still more than tolerable. The sun wasn't shining. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm at 104, and it is not tolerable, especially for somebody in the UK. But I want to go back to Mickey Mouse and his comments about Orlando and people going, um, uh, you know, going to, 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 to Disneyland. They really are in Disneyland because these people don't know yet what's upon them. But certainly the people of uh, Sri Lanka, R- uh, Romania, Bulgaria, Haiti, Venezuela, these countries have no food and no money because of the actions of the politicians that are now in, in office globally. And it's coming soon, guys. It's just going to hit you last. That's what I think is going to happen here. But it's definitely coming soon. And I was in Italy the other day, and I'll tell you now, I saw half-empty supermarkets. So don't think it's not coming. It really is coming. Brian, what, what are you seeing in supermarkets in Texas? Um, well, it's the same. We've talked about it. We talked about it a couple months ago. It's just going through the roof. Um, and I think it's changing what people buy. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, I think that because it's changed what we buy a little bit, um, which food's probably the last thing that I'm going to get real tight about because we kind of need it. Um, but I, you know, the, the lines at the Chick-fil-A aren't any shorter on Saturday afternoon. No, so I don't think that, that, I don't think that's, I think that's true here as well, but you know, you can't, you know, you can't put a square plug in a round hole. Eventually, if you've got inflation at 10 to 20% and your interest rates are only 2%, then something's going to give and it's about to give. This is oh, a yeah. false world we're living in. We're in a false world. You know, and it's, it, uh, it won't give until they can no longer get credit. Meaning, yeah, the well, pop- meaning the general population. Today, the general population still got a little room on their credit card and they can still borrow money. And until they can't, then it'll continue yeah. to happen. But it's not long coming. It's coming soon. No, I can no, see it's it's uh, you know, the, yeah. the default on, uh, on automobiles has skyrocketed recently. Um, you know, yeah. I, I forget the number of people that were, that are that are to be evicted in July for for rent because they've finally taken that restriction off and that process is falling in place. And um, I talked to a good friend of mine that's a real estate broker in Texas, um, very successful guy. I talked to him yesterday, and we were talking about land prices. Which Andrew, land prices have uh, almost tenfold where I live since 2010. Um, and which is a a lot of that's just this region. It's, it's ridiculous. The growth around Dallas, Texas. Um, but he said that, that he went, he had five phone calls over the weekend 
and three months ago he'd had a hundred and five. Really? Um, so the real estate market, at least the residential real estate market, it's, it's really, really slowed down and we're going to see the, we're going to see everything else do the same thing. Um, well, it's the same here. We, we, we have no, no new cars coming into the country. Um, the, the second hand car market is exploding because there are no new cars in the UK. Mercedes, BMW, all the big dealerships are basically closing down. That's the first thing you start to see when a big recession is looming. Uh, the next thing you'll start to see, as you say, is that all of a sudden people's credit limits will be dropped. You're, you're also finding banks asking for more information about your your financial position. It's all starting now and very, very soon. The 1970s, as you related to before, are going to be back with a vengeance. And that was the worst economy I ever lived through. Well, I think that I think the difference that Americans are going to see is the last time they experienced this, the car lots were full. Yeah. And okay, they were giving them away. And yeah. they, they hadn't reached, they hadn't, they weren't receiving. It wasn't that the credit had been cut off. They had capped their, their available credit. And that's what they're right. doing now. It's not that, yeah. it's not that there's a credit, you know, that they can't get credit. It's that they've capped every bit of credit that they could get. You know, they could you, still you borrow money. See- Exactly. Well, you should have seen what happened to me last week. I was um, in Italy and uh, drove all the way through France, as you know, Trent knows. And um, the tolls, it wasn't the, it wasn't the price of the gas that was the problem, which was, by the way, £10 a gallon, just so that you know, $12. And the problem is actually the road tolls in France and Italy. I paid the best part of $180 each way just in road tolls. Now, and I consider myself not to have real money issues. But my goodness, the French must have real money issues if that's how much it's costing them to travel around. Because you can't get around on the on the smaller roads. You have to go on the toll roads. So to be honest with you, I think there's a huge recession coming in Europe as well. Brian, you just reminded me of something that uh, I, I don't know what year it was. I assume it was the first year of Obama, which would have been 2008. But the the pickup that I have now, which is still my most reliable pickup, it's a 2002. It's got 535,000 miles on it. It's a one-ton dually. We bought that thing for 15000 when its price was about, the blue book says it was okay. about 24000 Trent, yeah. Trent, I have to leave for five minutes. I've got an emergency. Okay, we'll be we'll be right here. And uh, I bought it for that price because the dealer was calling, trying to get somebody to take these diesel pickups because diesel was going up, and nobody wanted to buy a diesel pickup. Yeah, I got I got a, a two thousand twelve that uh, was still at the end of that that same run. Uh-huh. That today is valued at as much as I paid for it in 2012. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. And, and now today I'm, I'm driving a diesel only when I have to because I can drive my gas much more economically. It's not real. I mean, you're talking 18% less expense. I guess, yeah, I guess it is. And if you figure your mileage and your, 
I mean, it's still, it's still about same, same. If you were trying to get the same work out of a, out of a gas motor compared to a diesel motor, that's why, that's why it's allowed to happen. Yeah. You know, well, I'm not it, pulling it, a trailer with that gas. Right. Though. Right. So for just absolute transportation, it, it, it is a little, you know, about 18% more efficient or le- less costly. Um, but that's why, that's why they can keep diesel prices where they're at and the tax where, where it's at because they can't, a big truck can't switch over to gasoline because instead of getting six miles to the gallon, they get four miles to the gallon. Right. Uh, from a fuel efficiency standpoint, my, Dodge three quarter ton gets about the same mileage as my one ton diesel. So that that's a wash. Yeah. I got to wash something else out. It's halfway through. We don't know if Andrew will be back, but we got Brian Thompson. We'll be back in the second half of Raw Route right after this. The certified Piedmontese opportunity exists for Great Plains cattlemen that want to be a part of a system that rewards a producer for what it is that you produce in terms of quality beef. This quality is driven by the tenderness aspect of the Piedmontese breed. More details about your involvement can be found if you go to the website LoneCreekCattleCo.com. That's LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Truth of the matter is that people are still willing to pay for a consistent supply of beef. And when you have a consistently tender supply, that wins the day. Flavor is there when you have adequate marbling and you have a tender eating experience. How many times do you hear people say, this tastes good, but it's tough? You don't want that. You want tender. Get paid for tender. That's the moral of the story. Details can be found for the Great Plains Cattlemen. LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Lewis alongside Andrew. Stepped away for a moment. We'll see if he comes back. Brian Thompson, he's trotting down the road, spending $5.50 diesel left and right. What's the attitude of the farmers you're working with, Brian? Well, diesel in Texas is is well below $5 now. So It's less than $5 a gallon? It's, it's less than $5, yeah. Um and gasoline's down like three eighty eight, um, and I don't know. I don't know if that. I, I don't know why that happened, but it's it's recently dropped. So we're celebrating that. Um, the attitude it's, of the farmer. It's, it's a low, by the way. It's not a drop. It's a low. Yeah, right. Uh, the attitude of the farmer. You know, so many of the guys I'm talking to are being hit by this drought. Um, so it's, it's, um, I think I heard, I think Rodney Jones said this, that a drought is like a death in the family. You know, you experience it and you mourn it and then you get over it. Um, you know, so right now they're experiencing something pretty tragic. Um, I talked to a panhandle farmer a couple weeks ago and he's in his third year of drought and he said you know he said it's not about income well he said you know that's important he said but i'm a farmer he said i want to grow something and he said i don't get to grow anything um so i i think that's the attitude of most of the guys in my region there's some pockets 
that are still holding out, but it's pretty darn dry. And I mean, how is it up there where you live? Where I live when I left to go to Florida was getting back to extremely severe because we've just been teetering on severe all year. And then we, yeah. <clears throat> we've got three weeks ago, we got three inches very timely and over the course of a week. And then we're back to where pastures are just brittle. I mean, you just walk through and it's like grass shatters. And then Saturday, we probably had um, a little over an inch again. And I have so many conversations about how just a half inch of rain does so much for your mental mental well-being. I mean, it's about the right. mental well-being, as you just said. You, you want those, in my case, it's cows, to be out there with something they can eat. Yeah. Well, and that's the next coming thing. And we saw it in 2011 and 12 is this forage situation. Um, I, I'm not seeing anybody uh, talk about it. You know, I, we're not hearing the, the media talk about the drought that's going on in the Western Plains and, and the entire West, really. Um, but this forage shortage is going to be massive. And they're already cutting the heads off all these or turning a, a decent cow into a Packer cow. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we're getting ready to relive that same scenario that came out of, you know, 2011. So Yeah. The cows exiting the breeding herd is phenomenal. The only area that I know that is just they're beside themselves, if you to go from the northern part of Nebraska, because I just drove through Valentine to Rapid City to Bismarck home, there are people harvesting forages in that region from Valentine to Canada that are just, that they're like euphoric. They're like, man, we're making hay. We've never made so much hay. You get out of that area. And they had a three-year period where they couldn't get anything, by the way. So they needed some healing. But you get out of that area, west of farm country, west of the Mississippi, it's severe. And the wheat crop seemed to be better than what I anticipated it was going to be. And and that speaks to just how, even though we haven't made the same kind of genetic progress in the wheat, uh, wheat species that we've made in corn, we still know how to make make feed or make food when it's a challenging weather condition. Um, yeah, you didn't, your perception on the, or perspective on the wheat crop is a lot different than mine. So what do you mean? Tell me. Well, you didn't, you didn't visit Western Oklahoma and Texas. No, what I, who I visited was, uh, so, you know, I spoke for custom harvesters, the wheat harvesters in January, and yeah. they were like, oh, man, if things don't change, it's going to be bad. And then it didn't, it seemed like nothing really changed. And many of them who thought they were going to be done already and be home by now, the, today, right. they're still harvesting. And I, I talked to them and they're like, well, there's more there than we thought there would be. It's not a good crop. I did not say it was a good crop. Right. I thought well, there it- was going to be nothing and there may be a 50% crop. It was good enough that they had to drive across it. Yeah. That, that's and that's what accurate. I saw. Um, except for, and I, there's, you know, I talk about Texas and I can't, I don't really represent a very 
I don't, I don't do a very good job of representing the whole state because, you know, I west of Dallas out into the panhandle is the area that I know well. Mm-hmm. Um, I follow what goes on in South Texas. Um, but it's, it was, it was, it's bad here. Um, the wheat crop was bad. It wasn't even there. Um, I'm sure there's guys that ran a combine. I'm not saying that there wasn't, but what I saw, there wasn't very many. Um, but I go back to that's where we live. That's, you know, if you farm off of an annual rainfall of 12 inches a year, 14 inches a year, right? or even 20, you're going to have times that you only get 10 and you're going to have times that you get 30. So the times that you only get 10, you're not going to do anything. Yeah. So I just want to repeat that I didn't say the wheat crop was good. What I said was it was better than what I anticipated it was going to be talking to people through the wheat belt through right. the year. So, but does our wheat, does our wheat really matter? Yeah, it I mean, does this year. Maybe this year it does. Um, it matters to the farmer. I'm not saying it doesn't matter to the farmer, but it doesn't matter on a global scale. With 33% of the wheat not coming out of the, through the Black Sea from Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, this year it matters. Yeah. And I haven't heard anybody talking about U.S. wheat stocks and what that means to the bigger picture of wheat and food production. You don't ever hear anybody talking about U.S. wheat except on a local, local scale. Yeah. So maybe I should do a little digging there. Just to get yeah. a little, and I'm not sure who I'm waking up by, by sharing that, but. Well, it's, it's just, it's what, 7% of the world's wheat? U.S. wheat production? Yeah. I thought we were 30%. Uh, I think that's wrong. Oh. Okay. Look it up. Look, use your use your duck duck go machine since I'm not allowed to say Google machine. <laughs> I had a uh situation that occurred uh, over the night where Brave, I've been using Brave, which does the same thing as Duck Duck Go, because I don't know where who owns Duck Duck Go, what's going on with that. So I switched to Brave and um it disappeared on my computer overnight. Six to seven percent. Uh, Lily just looked it up. Six to seven percent. See, you got your own resource assistant with you. That's cool. Yeah, right. She was kind of taking a nap over there for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Six percent of the so in the bigger picture, six six percent of the wheat crop is now two percent of the global wheat crop. That is not a a big number until you factor in that thirty three percent you don't have from those Eastern European countries. So a third more. So this year it's 9%, but instead of being 9%, it's 4%. <laughs> this is yeah. what you're saying. That is what I'm saying. So it's still not that big of a deal. What, what is the, I have three minutes left in this segment, Brian. The, the one thing that I'm, I'm drawn more and more to, and it's driven a lot by what's happened in Texas, because Texas is now like 33% of the energy. I'm, I'm talking electricity, only electricity is coming from wind and solar. 
we know and we've seen Texas legislators being told that if it's more than 20%, you're vulnerable. We're increasing demand for electricity at a time that we're making electricity less reliable. And Texas seems to be the leader. What are you hearing and seeing going on with that? Well, we're seeing the, the, the grid struggle, but we chose that. That's what we chose. Mm-hmm. Incorrectly. I, mean, I know, but we chose it as people, as human beings. We chose to, um, to, we elected the people that made those decisions. And then we said, Oh yeah, that's fantastic. Put these monstrosities up and, uh, and we'll lease you the ground and you're going to pay me as a landowner. And I'm really excited. And then we ran these massive power lines all over the state to transmit that power and it doesn't do us any good. But, but we were told this 30 years ago, mm-hmm. Hey, this doesn't work, but you can do it anyways. Cause everybody is going to think it looks really cool for about two years. And then they're going to say, Oh my gosh, I got to look at that every day. Well, more importantly, they tell me that when the grid goes down, which in, in the last crisis, which was February, third week of February 2021, had it gone completely down, and I'm talking about ERCOT and Texas, yeah. it was four minutes from completely going down, that it will yeah. take at minimum three months to get it back. That means no electricity for three months. Okay. I'll probably get by. <laughs> you did. As it turns out, you're not the one I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... And you know, the, I I have, and part of it's just been out of sport to give everybody a hard time. But I've I've, I mean, I've we've made an effort at our house, mm-hmm. you know, a pretty big effort, um, to save power because we know that's going on. Um, that's Brian Thompson from Poolville, Texas. Brian, we got to cut in right here, take a break. I think you got some data you need to share about your own electric bill from Texas, and we'll tell you what the megawatt production has done in the past 10 years as well when we return with more roll route in the final segment brian thompson and best of luck to andrew and what he's dealing with in the uk more after this hey let me just tell you about this weekend i'm going to be traveling with amanda radke we are both going to the mississippi farm bureau 100th year celebration the mississippi farm bureau has been in existence that long Amanda and I are both on the program. She gets double, well, actually, I have double duty as well. So we'll have tremendous information coming out of that. But in the meantime, go to her website, amandaradke.com. Check out the children's books, all of the swag, the Loose Tales mugs, the Loose Tales this and that. What else does she have? Caps. She has her own jewelry. And God bless the veterans and the farmers who feed us. Those T-shirts and tumblers, amandaradke.com. Welcome back. Trent Lewis alongside Brian Thompson, research assistant Lily Thompson. Or did you did you dump her off? I kicked her out of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh so I am uh had to go to a break there with all that information you're about to tell me. Your your electric bill has jumped. Kind of walk us through that again. One extra one. You're so, using less and paying one hundred dollars more. Yeah. So, so 
our electric bill went up over 30% last month. And I can, I've, you know, you got to figure that that's due to natural gas going up and, and more, more demand, therefore more powers produced by natural gas. And, and so price goes up and, and I'm, I don't think anybody's trying to gouge us. It's just the reality. It costs more to produce more electricity. But I, while we were on break, I looked something up. So you were talking about the grid in Texas. Since 2010, Texas has grown 16.5%. The state population, right? Yeah, state population. The rest of the country has grown about 6%. Oh, wow. So in 10 years, we've had almost three times the growth. And then in that same 10-year period, we've transitioned 30% of our power to, quote, green energy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, yeah, you're going to, you're going to hammer the grid. I mean, and we've made a lot of news, but I, I guarantee you that the, uh, um, the Lake Mead and Lake Powell are going to make bigger news in the next year than we ever did. So yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I don't think Lake Mead will take a year. It's going to happen this year. Yeah. They said they, I, yeah. And I, I, I watched a, some, a movie or a video on it yesterday and the guy seemed reputable and it seemed to make sense. And, um, and it gave, you know, that drainage and it laid out the, levels that all those reservoirs are at and yeah it's it's not going to take very long um but it's 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 kind of the same mindset that we're going through here and that we've been talking about um they built a reservoir system in one of the droughtiest places in in the u.s and they expected it to perform with above average rainfall and now it's not performing. And guess what? Those folks don't suffer from a, a year-long drought. They suffer from decade-long droughts, which right. are they really even droughts because you're in the desert. Meanwhile, the Klamath River and the Snake River and other rivers that have electric-producing hydro dams are being shut down because we got to give preferential treatment to the salmon. So right. they say. Uh, Brian, before we get away from this, I'm looking right now at a graph which was generated July 13th, 2022 from ERCOT at your Texas energy electricity supplier. In 2012, up until 2010, ERCOT says that the cost per megawatt hour of production, you don't produce electricity, you capture electricity, was at about $200 a megawatt. Starting yep. in 2010, it jumped up to 750, and then fell back to 400, and then Katie barred the door. Since the first part of 2013, it has been on an upward spiral. It it kind of it kind of stalled out in 2015, right at two thousand dollars generated a kilowatt hour. Last week, it hit an all time high, five thousand one hundred and fifty four dollars per megawatt, I think I said kilowatt accidentally, per megawatt of yeah. production. That's why your electric bill jumped. 
yeah. demand and cost to produce it. Yep. Without so, anybody talking about the real solution. We have coal. You have natural gas. Those are the two answers. Well, and we've we've we have chosen to make the power production more expensive by using alternative sources. And we've chose to make the products that that are powered by that more expensive in the name of being more efficient, but they're essentially not any more efficient. Um, and I've watched, I saw a program and I think we're starting to see a shift in this because the, the folks that, you know, the real environmentalist type people, and I don't mean the farmer and rancher. We like to say that they're environmentalists and they are, but the, but the real, you know, the grassroots people that are what we call a tree hugger, you know, they, they, those kind of folks will drive change because they ultimately, they, they're passionate about it. They care about it and they're looking for solutions, right? I'm not talking about the, the people that flood the media and try to, try to get recognition off of it, but the guy that really hates to see a smokestack in the air. But they're starting to make the same statements that you and I have been making for years about this whole green energy propaganda deal. Um, the fact that we can burn biomass and call it green energy. Um, and that's where that's where a lot of this these green energy numbers have came from. You know, so we're going to burn biomass and call it green energy. What's the difference of burning a tree or human garbage and coal? There's not any. It's the same, same critter. So we'll figure it out one of these days. I see. Well, yeah. After a period of, um, great peril. Right. I see more genuine concern about converting corn into gasoline than ever. And and to me, it's like now ethanol should be, hey, thank you, ethanol, for at least contributing to our energy equation. Instead, as people are beginning to, to be aware about food scarcity issues, they're starting to point fingers at farmers and ethanol production because you're contributing to the problem. Right, well. Excuse me, remind me what, what food you eat that has number two yellow corn in it? <laughs> yep, they don't. I mean, no one knows. It's it's ignorance, but it's ignorance because they've they're so far removed from the food system. And here's a reminder, Trent, that that ethanol takes fossil fuel to make it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just. It doesn't just happen. We don't just dump corn in a vat and it just turns into ethanol. It takes fuel to fire the furnace. That well, you it. could use ethanol to fire that fuel. Right. But I don't think it's sufficient enough to make that actually work. So. Are you saying that you don't think that ethanol is a net energy gain? No, I don't. I could be wrong, but. From what I, what I believe, and I guess my truth is my own, I don't know that ethanol produces enough energy to produce itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you take, I, when I'd you like take to the get the real system, numbers on that. 
when you take the whole system, mm-hmm. the production and the transportation and the uh, re- refining, no, it doesn't. I, I think that you it might be a net energy balance, but when you factor in what you get from the ethanol production, including DDGs, to go into livestock, because no ethanol plant is sustainable without capturing the value of whether they're dried or wet distillers grains to be fed right. back. That's the only gain in my mind. That's probably the gain, which, which was is, there all along. It's just still a gain. Right. Well, the real story that we can't shout often enough is that in 2018, thanks to Texas and North Dakota, the Bakken and what that shale region is called in Texas. The Permian Basin. Yeah. uh, The Permian Basin. We were an energy exporting nation. Mm -hmm. And we've screwed that up in a very short period of time. We chose not to be. And now the, now the, Oil companies of the U.S. are saying, well, you chose for us not to do this. And mm-hmm. if you cannot listen, you must feel. And now we're feeling it. And they're capitalizing on it. And good for them. Well, somebody's capitalizing on it. Yeah. They were forced to shut everything down. And now they're making big, giant profits. And our federal government's threatening them. And they say, keep threatening us. We lost billions of dollars in the last four years because of your policy. Mm -hmm. And now we're gaining it back and you're going to threaten us. And they may not be gaining it back, even though they've got massive uh, profits because they had a certain level of investment for new recovery and exploration that was pulled. The rug was pulled out from underneath of them and you can't distance that. So I don't hold any grudge against them for charging what they can. My issue is that we as an American public, have allowed this whole warp program to come into play. Yep. All right. Well, I got a wood fired uh, pellet grill at a time when I should have just been focused on uh, cooking in my fire pit. Cause that pellet grill still needs electricity, Brian. Yeah. And, and it requires biomass. <laughs> <laughs> compressed, <laughs> compressed biomass. I do have biomass. I can go get trees, but I can put them in my fire pit without a, plugging it in. But I hey, tell you, you what, t- I suddenly think I'm a master chef with this pellet grill. Man, I, I've always wanted to do this. I wonder what would happen if you dump a sack of corn in there. Why don't you do that and try it? I'm afraid he'd plug it, plug it up. Those <laughs> things are a booger to get undone. I don't want to know. I have, I do not want to know the answer to that question. I'm, I'm going I'm to have to try it, Trent. All right. Do a video. <laughs> have Lily okay. alongside videoing this. I want to use it. All Brian right. Thompson, Poolville, Texas. It's been too long, but now we're there. Our best to Andrew and everything he's dealing with. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America for Andrew Henderson, Brian Thompson, Trent Luce, all three, and Lily, our research assistant. We we remind you that all roads do indeed lead to a roll run. The Wall of Honor continues to say thank you to those men and women. Just bring honor to the people who've been willing to be there. Sacrifice family, sacrifice whatever in the name of the future of the American citizen. 
So today, as Brian and I talk about these challenges, what are you doing to honor those who've been before us? We can go look at the wall of honor, or we can engage in the system and drive the ship. That's what these individuals who are we are honoring want us to do, be a part of the system and the solution. In the meantime, go to thewallofhonor.org, thewallofhonor.org. Look at those individuals and submit your loved one. Maybe make a contribution. Once again, thewallofhonor.org.